David. The continuation of David's story after the death of Saul is told in the second book of Kings. After the catastrophic defeat of the Israelites on Mount Gelboi, when Saul and Jonathan were killed, Israel, of course, was in complete disarray. And it could have happened that the Philistines could have eventually completely subjugated the whole of Israel especially in view of the fact that there were now considerable divisions among the Israelites themselves. Because Abner, the general of Saul's army, proclaimed Isbajeth the king in Saul's place. Isbajeth being one of Saul's sons who was not actually killed at Jeroboi. And all of Israel accepted him as their king, except the tribe of Judah, who chose David as the king, and anointed him at Hebron. After two years, a war broke out between the house of Saul and the house of David, and gradually David prospered and grew always stronger and stronger, while the house of Saul gradually decayed. Isbajeth was weak and was under the control of Abner. He was much troubled and weakened by the death of Abner, who was eventually stabbed to death by Joab. Now, Ishbosheth had two main captains of his bands, called Banna and Lakab, who thought that they would gain favour by David by secretly entering into the house where Ishbosheth was sleeping, and there they killed him, and afterwards cut off his head and took it to David in Hebron. Instead of receiving the reward which they had expected from David, he ordered them to be put to death. After the death of Ishbazeth, no one remained to dispute David's claim to the throne of all of Israel. Deputations, therefore, were sent from all of the tribes in order to make him a formal offer of the throne. With the troops that flocked to his standard, David proceeded to take Jerusalem, the city of the Jebusites, intending to make it the capital of his kingdom. The Jebusites had always considered their city as being impregnable, and they walled the mans with the, the, the man they manned the walls with the blind and the lame, as if to uh, mock David in their contempt. However, the city was captured by storm, and Job was the first to scale the walls. And for this great act of bravery, David made him the captain of his army. When the Philistines heard that David had been anointed king over all of Israel, they went forth to attack him, and they encamped near Jerusalem. David asked the Lord, Shall I go up against the Philistines? Wilt thou deliver them into my hand? And the Lord answered, Go up. David went forth and defeated them. In their flight, they left their idols behind, these David and his main band. When the Philistines came up again, they were wholly defeated by David and ceased to be any further danger to Israel. Thus David knew 
that the Lord had appointed him king over Israel. After consultation with the people, David went to fetch the Ark of the Covenant from the house of Abinadab and bring it with great pomp to his new capital, Jerusalem. The Ark was placed on a new cart drawn by oxen under the care of Oza and Ayo, the sons of Abinadab. When they reached the floor of Nacon, the oxen kicked and caused the ark to sway, upon which Oza put forth his hand to steady it and was immediately struck dead, it being forbidden in any circumstance to touch the sacred ark. David was so terrified by this sudden judgment of God that he no longer dared to bring the ark into his own city, Jerusalem, but caused it to be taken to the house of Abedadom, where it remained for three months. Almighty God blessed Abedadom on account of the ark and uh, that rested in his house. And David, hearing this, removed it to the new tabernacle, which he had prepared for its reception. On this occasion, the ark was moved and all due, uh, with all due respect. And instead of placing it on a cart, the Levites carried it on their shoulders, as was enjoined by the law. David himself clothed himself with a linen ephod and leapt and danced with joy before the Lord. When the ark stood in the new tabernacle on Zion at the, uh, in David's city, David regulated the divine service and he divided the priests into 24 courses which in turn performed the ministry for a week. He divided the Levites into 24 divisions. 4,000 Levites were chosen to chant sacred songs during the service and to play on musical instruments. These songs are called psalms, which means songs of praise. And of course, as is well known, David himself composed, or is believed to have composed, the vast majority of the 150 psalms which are contained in the Psalter, the present-day Book of Psalms. These Psalms are exceedingly important, especially on account of the prophecies that they contain concerning our blessed Lord and the redemption which he was to effect. So David showed himself to be really and truly a great and inspired prophet who really clearly foretells, almost to the detail, a, uh, the divinity, the priesthood, the passion, the resurrection and the ascension and everlasting reign of the Messiah. All these contained in these 150 Psalms, which David felt and prayed in his joys and his sorrow, and which he sang amid tears as a sorrowful penitent for the great sins which he had also committed. These Psalms resound from the hearts of thousands of pious worshippers throughout the whole course of history, in the Old and in the New Testaments. This Psalter is today the prayer book of the Church. It contains, a, it is in fact, the sub, its substance a, of the breviary is the Psalter, which each priest must recite a, in its entirety each week. In the churches and in the cloisters, the Psalms are prayed and sung throughout the world day by day, and night by night, and will continue 
until the very end of time. David, as well as building this tabernacle in Silo, also intended to build a proper temple to the Lord. And he said to the prophet Nathan, Behold, I dwell in a house of cedar, and the ark of the Lord standeth in a tent of skins. I will build a temple to the Lord. But the Lord said to him through Nathan, Not thou shalt build me a temple, but rather thy son shall do it. His throne I will establish for ever. I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. Thy house shall be faithful, and thy kingdom for ever before thy face, and thy throne shall be firm for ever. So does the prophet Nathan, on behalf of God, reveal to David that he shall have an everlasting kingdom. And of course, as was to be fulfilled, our blessed Saviour of the house of David, the son of David, he uh, would enter into his everlasting kingdom uh, by saving the world and establishing his holy church. In the early part of the following year, David sent Joab with an army to besiege Ramah, a city of the Ammonites, with the object of punishing them for an insult offered to his ambassadors. But David himself now no longer led his armies, but remained behind in Jerusalem. And it happened that one day David arose from his couch in the afternoon after his siesta, and walking on the roof of his palace, he saw at a distance in an adjoining property a woman of remarkable beauty named Bethshebe, the wife of Uriah the Hethite. He had her brought to him and committed adultery with her. And in order to conceal his crime, he determined to have first Urias brought home in order that he should sleep with his wife so that the sin which he had committed should be concealed. But Urias, being a man full of zeal for God and for the holy war which was being raised, refused to go to his home and to sleep with his wife as long as Israel was afflicted by her enemies. And therefore, David, to his eternal shame, determined that Urias must die. And so, in order to conceal his crime, he decided to have Urias killed so that he might marry Bathsheba. David therefore ordered Joab, once Urias had returned to the battlefront, to place him in front of the battle where the fight was thickest, and Urias fell dead before the walls of Rab. And David took Bathsheba to wife. By this time she was with child. The Lord sent the prophet Nathan to reprove David for this crime, this double crime of adultery and murder. David was filled with sorrow, confessed his fault and asked pardon of the Lord. Seeing the sorrow of David, the Lord ordered Nathan to tell him 
that his sin was forgiven, but that nevertheless, because he had given occasion for the enemies of God to blaspheme, the child that was born to him should die. David willingly accepted this, and many other punishments inflicted upon him, one of the heaviest being the ingratitude and the revolt of his son Absalom. Absalom was the favourite son of David. He got together a number of chariots and horsemen and fifty men to run before him. When the people came to David on business to obtain the king's judgment, Absalom stood by the entrance of the gate and tried to win the favour of the people by pretending to sympathise with them. Moreover, when any man came to him to salute him, he put forth his hand and took him and kissed him. And he was wont to exclaim, Oh, that they would make me judge over the land, that all who have business might come to me, and I might do them justice. So he weakened and undermined the authority of his father. In order to collect an army, in order to provoke a revolt, he said to David, Let me go and pay my vows, which I vowed to the Lord in Hebron. And the king said to him, Go in peace. A short time after, a messenger came to David, saying, All Israel followeth Absalom. Then David said, Let us flee, lest he bring ruin to us, and smite the city with a sword. And the king went forth with all his household, with Joab and his bands of soldiers, and they passed over the brook, the brook Chidron and marched towards the desert. When David came as far as Batherin, a man named Simei came out and cast David and threw stones at him. And Abazai said to the king, Why should this dead dog cast my lord the king? I will go and cut off his head. But the king said, Let him alone. It is the lord's will. Absalom appointed his cousin Amasa captain-in-chief of his army and set out in pursuit of David his father. And a battle was fought in the forest of Ephraim. And the people of Israel were defeated by David's army with a loss of 20,000 men. Absalom, hastily riding away on a mule, was caught by the head in the branches of an oak and was left hanging, whilst the mule passed on. Job, and being told, took three lances and thrust them into the heart of Absalom. And whilst he yet panted for life, the armour-bearers of Joab dispatched him. A pit was then dug, and the body of Absalom was thrown into it and covered with a great heap of stones. When the king heard that his son was dead, covering his head, he cried with a loud voice, O my son Absalom, O Absalom, my son, O my son. Then Job went into the house to the king and reproved him for grieving over the loss of his son, saying, I now plainly perceive that if Absalom had lived, and we had all been slain, then it would have pleased thee. Now, therefore, arise, go out, and speak to the people. Upon which David arose, and went down, and gave audience to the people. And the king returned, and came as far as the Jordan, and all Judah came as far as Galgal to meet the king, and to invite him to return. And Samuel, who had cursed David, came with a thousand men of Benjamin and all his servants to help the king's household cross the river. And Samai, falling down before the king, asked pardon for his offence, saying, Impute not to me, my lord, the iniquity, nor remember the injuries of thy servant on the day that thou, lord, my king, wentest out of Jerusalem, nor lay it up in thy heart, O king. And David pardoned Samai. 
After this, there was a famine for three years, and David, seeing that his hand, seeing seeing the hand of God in this, consulted the oracle and received an answer that the famine was a punishment for the sin of Saul in destroying the Gabonites, with whom Joshua had made a league. To make satisfaction for this, seven of Saul's descendants were given up to the Gabonites. David's successes had engendered, however, pride in his heart. And he said to Joab, the general of his army, Go through all the tribes of Israel, from Dan to Beersheba, and number ye all the people. Joab remonstrated with David because of this, because to perform such an action was to arrogate to oneself almost the authority of Almighty God, to number and to take a census of the people of God. Nevertheless, David's words prevailed, and Joab and the captains of the army spent nine months and twenty days in making the census. And Joab gave the sum of the number of the people to the king, and there were found of Israel eight hundred thousand valiant men that drew the sword, and of Judah five hundred thousand men. No sooner did the king receive this report than his heart was struck with remorse, and he said, I have sinned very much in what I have done. I pray thee, O Lord, to take away the iniquity of thy servant, because I have done exceedingly foolishly. The prophet Gad came to the king and told him that on account of his pride, God was about to punish him and would give him the choice of three things. Either seven years of famine in the land, or that he should flee before his enemies for three months, or that for three days there should be pestilence in the land. Therefore, said the prophet, deliberate, and see what answer I shall return to him that sent me. And David said to Gad, I am in great straits, but it is better that I should fall into the hands of the Lord, for his mercies are many, than into the hands of men. And the Lord sent a pestilence upon Israel, and there died seventy thousand men, the destroying angel was bidden to stay his hand by the threshing floor of Aruna the Jebusite. By command of the prophet, the king offered sacrifice in this place, and the pestilence ceased. And this place was the summit of Mount Moriah, where Solomon was to build the temple. Though God had forbidden David to build the temple, being a man of blood, he allowed him to make great preparations for its building. David prepared stones, iron and brass, also cedar trees in immense quantities. He laid up for the same purpose 100,000 talents of gold and a million talents of silver. He charged all the princes of Israel to help Solomon his son in the building of the temple, saying, Arise and build a sanctuary to the Lord God, that the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord and vessels consecrated to the Lord may be brought into the house which is built to the name of the Lord. Adonias, the, high, uh, the, the eldest living son of David, endeavoured to make himself king and had himself proclaimed even before the death of David. Upon this event, and at the request of Bethshebe, and on the advice of Nathan, Solomon was proclaimed king by order of David. 
Finding his death approaching, David assembled the chief men of Israel and exhorted them to keep the commandments of God, and he particularly begged of Solomon to serve the Lord faithfully. So David, the son of Jesse, reigned over Israel. In Hebron he reigned seven years, and in Jerusalem three and thirty years. And he died in a good old age, full of days and riches and of glory. David is surely one of the very greatest figures of the Old Testament. And in him we can see a, uh, the figure of the Messiah. Born like the Messiah in Bethlehem, like our blessed Lord, he led a hidden life in his youth. As a shepherd, he prefigures our blessed Lord, the Good Shepherd. He conquered Goliath with contemptible weapons. The five stones which he chose from the brook can be taken as symbols of the five wounds of our blessed Lord by which he has saved us. He was persecuted by Saul, to whom he had only done good. He was patient in the face of trials and tribulations. He was forgiving of his enemies. He was betrayed by his friends, even by his son Absalom. Like our blessed Lord, he was both a prophet and a king, a prophet particularly in the Psalms which he had written. He is driven out of Jerusalem. He crosses the brook Cedron, as did our blessed Lord, on the way to the Mount of Olives in his grief. But however, he does return triumphantly to Jerusalem, this return being a symbol of his resurrection, having gained a, a victory over all of his enemies. <laughs>